Hello, and welcome to episode 307 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Jonathan Thompson, comics creator and writer of All In, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Jonathan, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Um, let's do it as we normally do when we get started. Um, we asked for two things. We asked for a quick elevator pitch of the book and a bio about yourself. All right. So, hi, guys, once again. This is time, what, five? I have to hold the record at this point for, for guests. Um, so, uh, All In is a... 24-page horizontal one-shot race comic. It's uh, the best comic I can equate it to is J.H. Williams' Echolands with that horizontal format, which um, really is going to be exciting to read as the race just blurs past the pages. Uh, It's about two different racers, the champ who has never lost and is really disgruntled about that, and then the driver who refuses to ever place anything other than first. So before he loses, he will crash into another car to make sure that his record is still clean. Um, The world of this race takes place on a abandoned mining colony that the people there have lived for generations without any hope. So the race is a way for them to just live life in a looking forward to something. Um, As a writer, I've written a lot since the pandemic started. I've had my book, Tales from the Dead Astronaut, which was my first book picked up by SourcePoint Press, which you can pick up as a trade paperback now. Um, Sorry. I had Night of the Comet, which was a, a, a kind of a abstract surrealist graphic novel, which is also coming out from SourcePoint, I think, in January. And uh, I just love making these comics. They're fun. That's so great. We love that you make them, man. Thank you. I love that you guys like reading them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of cool to be friends with someone that you're a fan of, like a big fan of. Yeah, uh, having been a fan of yours since you first came on with Tales from the Dead Astronaut. So. Yeah, I've been here since the beginning. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's uh, And it's cool to see like, like you have a style like you have a line you know on your in your writing yeah and uh, i like that every book is kind of philosophical and it's got some you've got you've got a twisted sense of humor in each book um but you don't tackle the same subjects every time i really appreciate that that you're sort of a genre jumper well i I think that's the most fun because really i'm writing everything for myself you know, I think that um, if I could give anybody advice, it would be that just write what you want to read. And mm. it's so simple and so stupid, but it really is the truth because, you know, it's, I'm just trying to, instead of being disgruntled about the comics you pick up not being good enough or not being worth the paper they're printed on, just make your own and enjoy it yourself. I love being the first reader too. You know, I get to see these pages before anyone else, and I just get more and more excited about things. <laughs> That's amazing. So you certainly have uh, quite a collection of, of artists that you have, have worked with, um, with, with a number of styles. Um, but I'm really um, excited about this book, just looking at the, the preview pages. Um, what was the, the process of, of, of going out and, and, and finding the artist for, for this book? So with, with Joke, I, I, found, I found his art online, like most. And uh, I guess this started maybe, maybe a year and a half ago now that I, I sought out working with him. We did a, like, I like his style. His style is different. Um, it does remind me of like um, almost a Daniel Warren Johnson with its energy, a, a kind of... Um, He's got a very, uh, I want to say, like, I want to say barbarian style to him in a like a rugged way, which I like. And, you know, I'm always looking for people that do things differently. I'm never mm-hmm. I'm never looking for people that are just trying to imitate like Jim Lee, though I would love to work with someone like that. Jim, call me up. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, it's it's 
it, he was different too. So we did a pitch together called Only Bad Things Happen at Night, which was a crime comic that was like a riff on Maniac Cop, where there was this like zombie skeleton cop killing dirty police officers. Uh, we sent that out to play to publishers. People liked it, but not liked it enough to pick it up. So we kind of just were stagnant for a while. But I had this idea that I wanted to do a race comic with him. And originally I wanted to do it like a, like a top-down kind of format so that the race would flow. Like you would kind of, you would twist the comic like the other way, almost like mm -hmm. you were like a centerfold. And you would uh, follow the race down that way. But he didn't really understand what I was saying when I told him that. So he did it the other way, the horizontal way. And when you look at that page, I think it's page 16, 17 that we have up as a preview, it really flows. It's really cool. Um, and the, the, the comic is 24 pages. And the race starts on page eight, I believe. Oh, nice. So it's just like... It's just boom, hits you and it sets you up and then boom, you're off literally to the races. That's awesome. So what, what are, uh, what was, where was the, what was the inception of this idea? Where did it come from? Like the idea for a race comic? Was it, was it like a specific thing in your life? Like, cause I feel like you draw a lot from life <laughs> and stuff. It, it was, it was uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's work. Nice. It's just that like, I, I wrote a, a piece of my newsletter about it. I was reading Space Mullet, and there was a there was a scene where there was a roller derby race, and this it kind of comes out of left field because that's not what the story has been previously. And then the situation occurs where the stakes are just amped up, and it's all on this roller derby race. And I liked that idea. Mm -hmm. I liked the the tension of it all. And then I thought to myself how much I like Speed Racer, especially the movie. Oh, hell yes. You know, Speed Racer, the movie is insane. Yes. I've loved it since day one. I, I remember uh, I thought it was a joke at first. And then back in the day, uh, Warner Brothers, they put like the first scene on YouTube. And I sat there with my brother. We watched it on YouTube and we said, I guess we're going to the movies. Sparked yeah. up a blunt and went to the movies and <laughs> the rest Fuck was history. Yes. Oh and God. so... So it was like, it was like that. It was like, let's, what could we do now? Because as you guys know, I like playing with the form. Mm -hmm. You know, I have nobody telling me what I can and can't do. So might as well do whatever the hell I want. Um, so that's kind of how we landed on there. So I set up my characters. I, I pitched it to Joke. I said, let's do it this. And he was totally down for it. I think we, we originally started it like, I want to say back in maybe February of last year. But then like, I don't know, I got a little crazy. He got a little crazy and we hadn't done anything for a while. And then once, um, once airplane mechanics was done, I was like, joke, let's, let's fire this baby up and get it going. And that's what we did. That's so great, man. Uh, first off speed racer underrated movie now i mean i understand why people maybe not like it that much but what i like about speed racer and what i like about airplane mechanics both of them really are veiled not so veiled but veiled metaphors about creation like art and stories yeah yeah i agree uh, yeah and uh that's sort of what hit me about airplane mechanics and it definitely would hit me about speed racer so i feel you are you sort of bringing that kind of energy sort of philosophically to this story as well it's sort of a about loving something about wanting to be good at something and uh yeah i'm, I'm just curious about that what's what's the philosophical angle on this book i think that's just a subconscious thing that comes in to mm -hmm. be honest. i think that i kind of um i kind of my my cousin who's also a screenwriter he, he asked me like he's very um he's very like how would you say it? Like, like a little too literal because he's been poisoned by Hollywood. Mm. So he needs that like, well, what do you write? What is it that, what are your stories about? And I would say that like my stories are about mostly men who are 
dissatisfied with the world that they live in and believe that they can change it to their own will, no matter what consequences. And that's not always a good thing. It's not always a bad thing, but you know, you look at like burn residue, you look at airplane mechanics, you know, these aren't happy outcomes for the characters, despite how forcefully they pursue what they think needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So I also liked having this set up in, in All In where there is no main character. There are two characters. You can root for whichever character you want to win this race. Um, kind of like with Game of Doubles where it's like, I, I didn't want there to be one specific outcome you think you want. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that a lot. And I like that about Game of Doubles too. Um, and so when you're, uh, okay, Matt, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll actually, I'll, I'll, I'll try to form this question a little bit better. Why don't you ask a question? I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. Um, so, you know, one of the things I've always heard that's really difficult to do in comics is to write a race or a race scene, or especially like maybe a car race. I know that you, you know, you, you're taking a, um, a, you know, a bigger take on, on, on the race, you know, but was there any challenges, you know, like within comics, a lot of the, the action takes in, takes place in between panels. Um, and, and we sort of form those in, in our mind. Was, was there any challenges you saw in, in writing, uh, you know, basically a, a sprawling race comic? Um, that's funny because nobody ever told me that. Thank God. <laughs> um, uh, no, because for me, it boils down to years ago when it came out, I got the Bendis book on comic book writing. And, you know, I, I probably 15 years ago, maybe it came out. And the, I, I, when I went back to comics a couple years ago, I opened it up and there was an index card in it that I had written one panel equals one emotion because that was something you wrote in the book and then combining that with my own like filmmaking theories about you know shot this shot that and how each shot should lead to the next it kind of made it the easiest thing i've written okay the race uh, because it was just momentum momentum and then i also know having worked with this many artists at this point you're just setting things up for them to interpret and then them to add their own dynamic movement to. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to work really well, to be honest. So do you feel that like maybe with this one, um, you know, that being said, you know, leaving it up to the artist's interpretation, um, but like, were you able to sort of um, maybe, and this is just me sort of projecting here, um, you know, maybe not be as descriptive. You could have been like, hey, you know, you know, go wild um, for a couple of panels and maybe a couple of pages, um, you know, ramp up the action. Um, you didn't necessarily have to say like left fender is hit, car vehicle spins, hits, it's a railing. Like what was the level of description that you had to give and sort of like the, the action here? That's a, that's a good question. So I'm, I just pulled up my script so I could tell you. I, I get simple, right? Because I know that, you know, there's that level of interpretation that needs to go on. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at the, the script for page 11. It's <clears throat> the champ smashes back. The driver bangs into a wall. The champ takes off. The driver quickly follows. Like, it just, that's it. That's all I wrote for that. <clears throat> Where Joke will then reinterpret that and add all that energy and flow to it very cool and i think we've kind of talked about this a few times with with noah noah's had the the chance to work with with a number of of, of writers um noah as an artist do you um do you enjoy that does that um I know the interview should be for, for Jonathan. I'm actually no, I mean, no, I'm very happy about this right now that it's become about me. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do you, does the, the, is the level of description or lack thereof, um, you know, something that would um, strike fear in you or be like, all right, this is, this is my thing. I can, 
I could, I could do what I want to do. I, you know, what I like about Jonathan's descriptions though, is that it's not too much. I think Jonathan gets, because he's a screenwriter, he gets direction more than mm-hmm. anything. Um, I prefer to work with you, Matt, because I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> and uh, you're totally down with that and with the collaboration that comes with it. But I do appreciate someone who knows what they want in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I, I, I relate to, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with Jonathan and I'm friends with you, Matt, and, uh, but I think both of you guys kind of get the collaboration and, but also get sort of connection, you know, between with characters and that's so important to to feel that connection in the script um so for me i value that a lot as a person but also as an artist i think uh because you know us artsy folk we're all feely and stuff um and i'm i'm belittling it because i'm afraid of being vulnerable right now that's how most of us behave about it yeah uh but i i think that it's really i feel this is a compliment for you jonathan but i feel like your work you wear your heart on your sleeve in it you know and that's that took a long time to learn how to do though yeah you know because i think that vulnerable aspect is what you're talking about is you know as a writer you you get worried a lot of the time Mm -hmm. about what you're doing i mean you can look at burn residue like that's a that issue one ends in a pretty hard place these days. Yeah. And, you know, even putting that out, I was like, oh shit, did I just screw my career day one? But like, you have to trust your instincts and where you're going with things. Yeah. So it's like, you know, airplane mechanics, like a really personal story for me that I always wanted to do and tell. And I just let it rip at that point. I was just like, just got to go with it. So, but- I'm sorry. I, you, no, you I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about scripting for a second. Yeah. So um, I'm working with Attila again on Night of the Com from Night of the Comet. We um, we have one project that we're prepping to pitch to places. God help us. I think this is the one. Um, but we're 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 developing a project to do like early winter. We um, we're doing the um, we're doing the story of Mordred, the bastard son of King Arthur. Yeah. So the plan is the greater plan is to do a series of like magazine style forty eight page one shots that'll all lead the story from one place to the next. But Attila is a much more he likes to run free, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm doing it, the script I am doing like a prose short story. So I'm splitting it up by page. You know, this is page one, this is page two or double page spread, but I'm writing it like I would write a short story. So that's going to be really fun to see because I'm really just taking away the control that I like to have sometimes with this panel leads to this Mm -hmm. and letting them fly. That's, That's cool. awesome. So I just have one sort of follow up on um, sort of the, the, the writing or the, the panel description and, and all in. Did you on occasion with your, your screenwriting background, did you ever in your mind's eye sort of see like camera angles or, or shots and you might sort of give those suggestions here and there um, throughout the, you know, maybe not the whole time, but maybe like when you're you sort of sitting down the script that you're like, you know, this would be really cool as like a, you know, a downward angle, you know, we're, we're looking at the vehicle as it sort of like goes over us or anything like that. Um, or there are times where you, in your mind's eye, you actually see a shot and you, you might put it in as a, a description or a recommendation. You know, I haven't done that before. I think it's because I, when I write, I kind of, it, it feels like, you know, not to be cliche, it feels like jazz a little bit where you're just like, nice. this feels like this should be next. This, this, this. Like I was reading the panel descriptions before. It's just like, you know, the champ smashes his bumper into the driver. The driver leans back. The driver moves forward, you know, because I know that it's not worth trying to restrict the artist. Mm -hmm. 
into a position that they might feel visually works better. Like I always say that to artists, I was like, feel free if this doesn't make sense to you to do it the way you want. But also we go step by step. We do, you know, Joke will do um, his um, layouts, then we'll go very slowly step by step. But then, uh, you know, to back up, when I work with Rosano from Burn Residue, we're working on a new project together too, uh, a graphic novel. And um, that one, I was a little more strict as to like the way I want things shot because of the way I want things to be revealed. Mm -hmm. So I guess it, it all depends on the project and the art. With this one, it was just like that script reads how you would feel in a race. I mean, the yeah. script itself is 14 pages. So it really just flies. That's really cool. It seems like you like the challenge of doing things a little bit different each time. Do you think, you say, do you think that's a sort of a fair sort of way to look at it? Yeah, because I, I think it's... I think it's because as much as I would love to be, you know, I would love to be hired by DC, Marvel, okay, we can talk. But as much as I would love to be hired by DC, it's not my end game. It's this is all just, this is a lot of fun for me. And it's a lot of fun for me to see things the way they turn out. You know, if I was trying to get a traditional career in superhero comics, I wouldn't be doing stuff like Night of the Comet or um, Burn Residue. I mean, this is probably the closest to one of those things in terms of like action and spectacle. But uh, yeah, it just always comes down to just doing whatever the hell I feel like in the moment. That has to uh, be nice though, to be sort of, how did you get to that place in your comics career? I think we've talked about it before, but I like to hear it again. How did you get to that place of just being just happy where you're at making comics, you know, <laughs> but, but at the same time, you still want more. We know you, you yeah. know, you still are very ambitious, but oh, how do you, how do you get to that? How did you get to that place? I'm sorry, this might be a personal question, but I'm very curious. No, it's because um, nothing to belittle comics, but my end game was to make my movies. Mm -hmm. so it's that's where like that's the big high mountain to get to and this is like the fun experimentation phase of my life yeah where i can really like i say do whatever the hell i want because it's not like it's not like i'm when i was a kid i would submit to um to marvel and dc you know as, as a kid you know, as a, I'd get the Spider-Man watermarked letter saying, not yet, kid, but keep working. Um, but, you know, it, it was never the, um, back then it was, this is what I want more than anything. Mm -hmm. And then now it's like, when the pandemic started, and I had, I, I work, my day job as a real estate photographer. So while everybody else's life was going to hell during the, the, the lockdowns, mine was thriving. So I had this like extra cushion of money that I was able to go out and hire people like George for um, Tales from the Dead Astronaut. And it was just like finally putting the foot to the pedal to do something. And what I've loved about comics is that like screenwriting and filmmaking takes a lot of time and money. And it takes a lot for people to put the confidence in you, notice you, and give you that opportunity. Obviously, haven't had that yet. Like I've made short films on my own, but it was the same kind of deal where you're just like scrounging money up together to pull, pull off. But comics was the thing that kind of unlocked the final step in my writing, I feel, because I finally got to see things realized. It was, it stopped being just words on a page and now it was images. You know, burn residue was the thing that really clicked everything for me, where I was just like, I, it, burn residue built a level of confidence in me that kind of became unshakable at that point. Because it was like, oh, that is exactly what I set out to do. Not everybody's going to like it, but I like it. Mm -hmm. and it. And in the end, 
what I made works for me. I can see where I maybe had some bumps in the road that didn't work. Let's fix that next time. Yeah. I like that. And um, when, um, man, it's just inspiring to hear that story, hear that because burn residue is amazing first off, but then it's a, yeah. When it eventually comes out, which I think we had, we, we signed a contract last we signed a contract in January or February with SourcePoint for that one, mm-hmm. but publishing is crazy. So yeah. it got, it was supposed to be out by now, but it got pushed back to this time next year, which I think suits it better. I think it's a Halloween book to begin with. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see how people react to that one. But, you know, people that I've shown it to in the industry, they like it a lot. So I only hope that translates to people picking it up off the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, Matt, do you have any more questions about story related things? I was just going to ask about publishing stuff next. No, I think that that's, I think this is a good transition. Um, Cause that's kind of the way I was, I was thinking about uh, taking the interview. So uh, great minds think alike. So go yeah. ahead. We've been doing this for almost five years now, Matt. Isn't that yeah, insane? That's crazy. <laughs> you know what, what makes me laugh is that like I feel like anybody listening that hasn't listened to any of my other podcasts with you need like a cheat sheet for uh, every book I'm talking about. Yeah. We maybe well, need to send a checklist out <laughs> because we're going all over the place but not actually describing the books. Uh, well, you said, I mean, you gave the, you gave the background of burn residue being a Halloween book. So people should know that it's creepy it's, AF. It's true. It's true. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. A lot of these books you can also get as add-ons on the Kickstarter campaign for all in airplane mm-hmm. mechanics and game of doubles. And I have a couple um, tales from the dead astronaut trade paperbacks left that they gave me. So they're on there too. Burn residue and night of the comet. You're gonna to have to get from stores. Yeah, that was a smooth ass plug, Jonathan. Yeah, got to those add-ons. They help. Yeah, um, but yeah, to get back to, but in the on the topic of crowdfunding, um, what's it like? Contrast Kickstarter crowdfunding and publishing. Now that you've done both, what and you've had. Uh, intense experiences with both contrast them for us i'm very curious so crowdfunding kickstarter is the only way i can get these books made because Mm -hmm. you know they don't cover all the costs but they cover a lot of the costs Mm -hmm. to to get to make these things happen and it's like it's really nice to see especially guys like you um and I do have people that come back campaign after campaign if I haven't burnt them out. Um, and uh, it's nice to see people coming back that really seem to believe in the trajectory of everything that are like, I know not every book is for everyone where like I, I do genre jump. So I don't expect someone that's like all in with ironically all in who's, who's big into like burn residue to be into something like airplane mechanics or Game of Doubles where they're like, this is a tennis comic, what is this? This is two bums trying to build an airplane. Uh, I'm not into that. But like, then they see All In and they're like, all right, a race comic, I'm freaking down with that. Let's do this. So that's cool to see. But, um, you know, it's small. Crowdfunding is small. It's, you know, maybe I'll get, I, I think the most I've ever gotten was maybe 175 backers. So it's still small, but then Tales from the Dead Astronaut, I, when we were in stores, I think <clears throat> over three issues, they sold 5,000 copies. So it was, I mean, number one was the highest seller and then two was two and three were kind of the same. So that's really interesting to me. And I know that that one was, a, that was two was like a smaller one. It was like the first book that I had out there that was more wide. Um, so that was interesting to see, you know, that's different because you're not selling to customers, you're selling to stores to stock you. Mm-hmm. And then hoping that those stores say, hey, come get this book. But what's also fun is when the day of release, 
when you hit that NBCD new comic book day hashtag and you see it sitting there on shelves. That's really cool. And then like every once in a while, you'll see people like, you know, I, I saw one shop had the graphic novel as like a recommended buy from someone. Um, my the the comic shop that I go to in Harrison, the uh, in Harrison, New York, the guy there works for Aftershock, and so he mans the Aftershock booth a lot of times at these conventions. And I come in every once in a while, and he's like, "Oh, I saw someone holding carrying around your book." You know that that's cool to see, and it's going to be cool to see at New York Comic Con if there's copies of my book sitting at the table. Um, so it's a different kind of thrill because it's more of it, it's almost more natural to see how people pick things up whereas with crowdfunding it's like i've never been one of those guys that funds day one yeah so it's always a struggle to the end so it's always like an exhausting plug uphill of just like hey check this out this looks cool doesn't it you should throw some money at it because you're going to be satisfied when you read it you're going to love it i promise you you can trust me whereas (laughs) when your book's on the shelves it's someone is seeing that cover and then they're picking it up and then they're thinking to themselves as they flip through, should I buy this $4 comic? Mm-hmm. And I, I like that because there feels to be more, it feels to be an even bigger um, reward in that sense. Like I love everybody that comes to these campaigns because they're the ones that are making these books happen. And like a lot of these books are not going to go to publishers. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with Game of Doubles. I don't really know what I'm going to do with airplane mechanics. Like right now, the only way to get them is to grab it as an add-on or afterwards, you know, go to my store and grab one of the few copies I have left because I don't know when I'll print another round again. Well, I think, and you might uh, feel this as well, and this is something that I will probably experience in, in the future, but I feel like there's a lot of parallels about being with a publisher that's not a DC or a Marvel um, and crowdfunding, because still that hustle has still got to go yeah. on um, to, to get eyes and ears on it. You know, there's not Spider-Man or Batman on the cover. You still got to work with, you know shops you still got to work with with people to to still pick it up so i feel like you know it's it's we're all striving for things and it's an accomplishment to you know get picked up by a publisher it's an accomplishment to be part of new comic book day but that 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 hustle of you know i still got to get eyes i still got to get ears i still got to get people interested take a chance pick it up off the rack flip through it like that that hustle with a with a publisher like i said that's not a dc or a marvel doesn't really stop does it nope i mean i'm getting anxiety thinking about the fact that night of the comet is going to be in previews next month because it yeah. as 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 uh all in ends i will be turning around and having to do it that that one next and you know i guess one thing i want to say about publishing that's the only frustrating part is how long it takes yeah you know like i said it's like you know, I signed these contracts back in January, February, and Night of the Comet will be out this coming January. And, you know, Burn Residue a year, you know, half a year later. So like that part is frustrating because it's like, you know, with crowdfunding, it's after you get that, you know, after the campaign ends, it's like, let's go, let's get this thing out there. And then you're seeing that reaction, you know, a month or two months later when the book is printed and shipped, how people are posting that they got their books and saying, oh, I love this book. It was awesome. That's great. But, you know, there's a little bit of a pain in the wake between, but that's how it goes. But, um, you know, the other thing is with, with publishing is the journey from the second I sign that contract to when it gets solicited, I'm like looking for pros to read the book who maybe have backed the campaign to be like, hey, can you give me a pull quote? Do you mind? And then you like feel like you're harassing people because they said they would, but they're also like productive, top of the line people who are like always working. So you're just like, hey, still, did, do you mind if I bother you for a second and see if you uh, could give me some words for that? Because you're yeah. hoping that like, 
the vote of confidence from a creator that people like will translate into people saying, okay, I'll pick up this book. I like this guy and he's saying I would like this. So maybe I should order and pick it up. Um, Noah, do you, do you have any any questions here? No, I don't. I'm just ha- enjoying the conversation. <laughs> um, so, do you do you have a process of uh, this? Is still sort of I guess in the publishing sphere, like you know, we, we hinted on that that the sort of the jo- the the job never stops. Do you sort of have a philosophy of like, all right? I've signed this contract. This is sitting here. I, you know, I have this mental timeline going on um, for, for this project. All right. Now it's in previews. Now it's, you know, this action needs to be taken. I need to, you know, call up shops. I need to, 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 you know, let people know that like, there's a previews code. Like, do you, do you sort of have a philosophy of like, all right, this, this book is in this stage. Uh, I need to do this. Um, What, what are your thoughts there? Well, with with Tales being the first one, that was the, um, it was an interesting trial run, I should say, because it was like, okay, I had to figure out how I was going to do things and kind of see what worked and what didn't. You know, I had to figure out like, you know, a, a lot of people, um, I, I found like two spreadsheets of shops. Mm-hmm. So I would just like go down that list and make huge like emails, you know, email chains of, you know, this is my book. It just came in previews. It's on this page. This is the order code. Um, You know, a little bit about myself in the book, like, hey, this is my first book. Would love for you guys to stock it. It would mean a lot to me. And, um, you know, you do that when it first comes out in previews. And then you know that there's a FOC the final order cut off. So then you do it again for the FOC. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's like, those emails worked because I remember the people at SourcePoint telling me that they were like, well, it was slagging in sales and then we saw a big boost at FOC. So it's like, that was working. So I'm interested to see how Night of the Comet will work because it's, you know, it's a 72 page one shot. So- I'm I'm a little in the dark as to like how much it's going to cost, what what all that is going to be. I'll find it out with everyone else, you know, later in the month. But like, I'm intrigued to see how that one goes because it's a little different, you know. Because if it's ten dollars, I wonder how how that translates into do do stores buy less of them, or do stores buy the same they would of a number one. Mm-hmm. And that's so, interesting to hear that uh, you, you saw that there was sort of this movement around the, the yeah, FOC. I definitely um, saw the movement on the FOC, especially because of my just kind of persistence there. Yeah. And, and that's interesting because, you know, we all sort of, as folks who have gone to the crowdfunding, we've all experienced that, like, all right, there's, the there's a number of people, happens. there's a number of people that are, you know, your day one backers that are, that are, you know, your tried and true fans or, or, or you know, family members that, that are there to support you. But there's this sort of, um, you know, last two, three days rush on, on a crowdfunding campaign where these people have like saved the campaign and they're just sort of waiting till the end, which has got to be agony for anybody who's who's running that, that crowdfunding campaign. But there's it also- makes me wanna, It makes me want to run a week-long campaign, to be honest, because it's, you know- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The time in between is, you know, maybe you get- uh, With All In, luckily, we've had like maybe two backers per day since, mm-hmm. since that day one launch, which is at least it makes the numbers feel like they're going up, even though we're only just scratching a third of the way there. Yeah. But- um. I think with crowdfunding, you just have to have confidence in yourself that you're going to get there. I always feel like a book that's worthy always hits their goal. Yeah. Um, people with a lot of just, you know, I've never done a number one and then a number two campaign. So I wonder how that would work. Because when I did Burn Residue, I just did all three at once because I knew nothing about what I was doing and just did it randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm... So yeah, there's that agony, but also the number gap is quite different 
you know, when you see that like 2000 people have, or 2000 copies have been ordered of your comic, that kind of is crazy to me, even though that's like nothing in compared to what most books sell. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, everything's a numbers game, isn't it? Actually, um, you know, talking about that recently, I saw um, as somebody who spends a lot of time, probably too much time on social media, looking at uh, comics and comic creation and, and crowdfunding, I saw interestingly that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you got a backer in Declan Shalvey. Is, is that correct? Yes, yes, Declan. Dude. He's been very good to me. He's, That's got to be a great he's a, feeling. He's a, he's a hardcore Burn Residue fan, so he gave us a wonderful quote for Burn Residue. So if Declan likes it, you should like it too. <laughs> So I, I think I know the question, I think I know the answer to this question, um, but this is the sort of the standard question that Noah and I have for anybody running a, a campaign. Um, what type of uh, crowdfunding campaign runner are you? Are you refreshing the page every, every 30 seconds? Are you able to sort of step away, go do something and then come back maybe in a couple of hours and, and see where you are? Um, how, how, how do you handle the, the stress of, of running a, a crowdfunding campaign? Well, I think I said before on here, because I love this question, is I don't, I don't stress because stress does nothing for you. So I just have the faith that I know. I, we, we've hit our mark every time, thankfully. But um, so I, I have the app. So I will check the app like all the time. I think I've checked it three times during this campaign, during this conversation, even though it's 845 on a Saturday, nothing's going to happen. But like, you know, it's, you get a little endorphin rush when you see like a one or a two there in activity, yeah. but um, you don't have alerts on because if I had alerts on, I would drive myself crazy because I would still check it despite um, knowing that nothing came in. Um, I, over the past six months, I've taken all my social media off my phone so that I only use it when I'm at my computer, which I think is very healthy, but also sometimes hard when you're running a campaign because you feel like you need to be like constantly pumping information out there. But, you know, a lot of it gets lost in the void anyway. So I just try to not worry because if I worried at this point, I would go crazy. I worried more when I did burn residue and I worried when I had night of the comet because night of the comet more, that was a huge, that was my biggest goal that I had set, which was $8,000. And it's just like, that was, we had a huge day one because people were really excited about it. But even that huge day one, I think only got us like, I think maybe we're only up 2K at that point. So we still had a huge gap to make. And we, I was a madman and I had the campaign end on my birthday. So I was like, <laughs> this is going to be great. So honestly, what happened is I stressed the day of my birthday when I was like out on like a trip with my wife. And I was just like, we're almost there. And we like, I think we hit our goal and maybe had like 15 minutes to go. So we just, we just hit that one. Oh my gosh. So that was probably the most stress I had. Let's see. Yeah, we had, our goal was 8,000 and we hit 8,131. So it was, it was right at the end. There's also like the FOMO that goes in. <laughs> so it's like, I, that's why everybody's eager to fund right away because then they know that more people will back. So that's yeah. Stressful. So if anybody wants to help us fund today, that would be great. Um, it would give us a nice 20-day head start. Um, but, you know, it's you can't let yourself stress because you just have to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's good advice. Um, but something that I, I should probably take more uh, to heart, but I am definitely a refresh um, all the time. But like I said, I've, I've been on the app six times already now. So it's it's not it's it's not I'm not stressing about it. I'm just like checking. I'm like, how are we any closer? Are we any closer? Did we get anybody today? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, like you remember you were referencing Night of the Comet. I've gotten to the point where I stress about 
other people's campaigns like um same <laughs> yeah you know we, we, we have so many close relationships with doing this like that's I'm true in on, on other people's campaigns oh, yeah uh, like I've, I've developed uh stress over other people's campaigns which is a lot of, not I'm, I'm joking i'm i was gonna say that's a lot of fun but i'm yeah, not joking <laughs> i'm i'm like every time i like i see someone's campaign just barely get there i'm ready to like take out a loan to fund it myself <laughs> dude seriously i texted matt one day with someone's and i was like i'm ready to just fund the rest of this myself that's funny that's i want to see this book get made because i like the guy writing it that's funny. Yeah. um yeah. yeah but then the, the more stress for me comes from like putting these pitches out and oh, hoping man. that like you know you can make it to that next level and get it really out there Mm-hmm. do you have any uh maybe do you do you have any advice for anybody who might be um you know listening that wants to maybe take that step um of things to maybe try things to maybe stay away from that you, you've seen because you've had you know you've had any number of successes failures as we all have uh, do, do, do you have any tips that you might want to give out here in terms of writing or in terms of crowdfunding Actually, I was talking about like, um, you know, getting a pitch together and, you know, oh, trying to, you know, together. because so, generally like, I feel like, you know, you, I think we all like to keep it to like, maybe like one page and you got to grab somebody's attention, somebody that might be, um, you know, have five or six of these coming to them a day. Like, um, what, what are your thoughts there? So I have been a little all over the place in terms of pitching. I think the only books that I've pitched to Dark Horse and Image were I pitched Burn Residue, which was done. I pitched, so for that one, I just gave like a, a one page, a bio, and then I was like, well, here's the whole book. You can read it. Mm-hmm. So I was probably a little too cocky with that one, to be honest. Um, and they were like, yeah, it doesn't fit our mold right now. Thank you. So please submit again. Um, then we did... Uh, I did a pitch with Rosano called The Counterfeit, which I like, but I actually see afterwards how it doesn't work. So that was a that was a one page synopsis that broke down issue by issue with just a blurb. I've done a bunch of pitches for Aftershock, probably. I've probably pitched to them six times now. And that really has run the range of like, uh, I think the first thing I pitched them was only bad things happen at night because it was done. Mm -hmm. And that was a little too close to Maniac, uh, not Maniac Cup, to Maniac of New York. So they were like, we like it, but it's not, it's too close. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I get it. Like I knew that going in, but it was my first like foot in the door there. And then... I kind of took too much of a laid back approach for my next couple pitches because I know that they, they're, they're a company that they take a lot of the, like they own the rights to what you do. So I felt myself not going in all the way with something. So I definitely submitted a few lackluster pitches. And then I, you know, I asked one of the guys, I was like, okay, so what are my pitches missing? And he actually told me that I should have more so I had like a, I, I submitted a, I think it was a two to, I think it was two pages of an outline and then uh, like um, a page cover letter for my last one. I haven't heard back on that one yet, but like that, that's been an interesting kind of process. And then with, you know, with um, the source point ones that got picked up, they've been, they've been really supportive with me because we worked together with Tails. Mm-hmm. And when I submitted Tails, I just had submit issue one to them uh, through, their, through their gateway. And then they actually backed bur- both Burn Residue and Night of the Comet. So they had physical copies of the books when they, when they said yes to them. So that was a little different. And then uh, the new project that I'm getting ready to pitch with Attila, that one, we're working with an editor to help me. I'm working with the editor to help me put together the pitch. 
So it's a guy that's had stuff picked up by Image before. So I'm hoping that he can help guide the right way, you know, for, for that to make sure that it's a rock solid pitch. Because that went up right now. Internal changes with me and Attila. It is a it is the story of a man who disappeared for five years, who claims that he was abducted by aliens. And he comes home back into the life of his wife and his two young kids. And he's adamant that he was abducted by aliens. His wife thinks she's crazy, thinks he's crazy, but she loves him. So she's trying to she's trying to make things work. And then there's also a group of four men in black looking people that are coming for him. Okay. Yeah. And, and that is done with um, in Night of the Comet, there's a flashback sequence that Attila drew in colored pencil. Yeah. And that's the style that these pages are in. And I wanted to compliment you on that flashback scene because uh, I, I mean, I, I roll my eyes at the dead wife trope a lot in things. But I appreciate that you took time to actually make her more than a dead wife. Well, and you I, had that that moment towards the end where you had this had her give that great soliloquy okay. and tell stories about her life and everything, so that she became more of a person and not a plot device. So I, I think that's important because yeah. for that that book was about. I mean, that book I had an idea for when we started, and then. Uh, life got a little crazy in my life mm. and it forced me to like, you know, how writing can bleed into your life or life can bleed into your re writing. It became like super personal to me. And um, it characters are so important to make characters full. Yeah. So it's like it, it, a lot of that just became everything to me. You know what yeah. I mean? I also like, I like stories like that one where you subvert expectations in a different way, where I think you're going to lean into a trope just to, you know, do the bare minimum of work of having us be on the side of this, of the main character. And then halfway through, or, you know, close to the third end of the, the third act, you drop this nice little flashback in there that recontextualizes everything. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a cool structure thing. And I, I appreciate it because it's a different way of subverting. I love structure, so yeah, it's a fun, fun thing to play with. Yeah. So I think I think this would be interesting to to do. Um, you know, either pre-interview or early on, we talk about this. But uh, Noah has some some strong reactions to to airplane mechanics. So why don't we we talk about that a little bit right now? I would love to. Yeah. I'll put airplane mechanics quick. It's about two brothers, uh, David and Brian Light. They're, uh, they grew up on their family airfield and their parents have sold the airfield um, and they're tasked with cleaning it up, shutting it down for the final day. They both were given part of the uh, sale of the, of the airfield, not much. And the one brother, the older brother talked his younger brother into putting all their money into fixing this beat up biplane that has been sitting there their whole lives. And their plan is that at the end of this day, they're gonna fix this plane, they're gonna fly it out of there and they're gonna go wherever the hell they want. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it, it hit me hard because it's definitely feels like a, I don't know, it, it feels like you, you have a passion in this airplane. Well, as of the reader, as me empathizing with the main characters, you have a passion. You have a place you want to go and you hope that that passion fuels that place to where you want to go. And, you know, this, this, this airplane is, is an escape. And um, as a comics creator, I empathize with it a lot. You know, that this is, uh, we all have our airplane that we're trying. We to all have our airplane that we're trying to work on. And we all have that person that we're trying to work on it with or, or something, you know, or someone around us that we would like to escape with, you know, um, but I, I, what I loved about it is, is the acceptance of failure at the end. Not to spoil it, but I don't think I'm spoiling it too much. But just see, it feels like a meditation on failure and how really there is no such. I, I took away from it that there's no such thing. You know, yeah, 
it's it's funny. I actually think the ending is hopeful. Me too. Yeah, I do. I think I think that that's what made me cheer yeah. up the most. I, I like that, that that it's not. Obviously, I, I I go I get I get down when the characters get down because I'm I'm there with them. But I, you get to the end and it's just sort of like, well, what's stopping us? You know, let's yeah. just do it. And I exactly. and I. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I'm kind of choking up right now thinking about it. It's, it's a good, that's, that's, it's a good story. Yeah. Which you can also get as an add on. I have a couple copies of those left. If you grab all in, you can grab a copy of airplane mechanics. Yeah. Art done by the great Jeff Manley, who is, yeah. who helped a few, who helped, um, you know, with every artist I work with, they helped me bring something out of myself that I wasn't ready to do. And I knew with Jeff, Jeff is a humorist. I knew we could have a lot of fun with that one and go to some wacky places. Like the, um, you talk about letting artists just fly with things. There's a skydiving sequence in the middle that I literally just was like, do something fun. He's skydiving, he's skydiving on acid. <laughs> yeah. Start like this and end like this. Anything in between is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Love it so much. And, uh, Man, you guys do such a good job playing with uh, the word balloons. We talked about that in the last episode yeah. you were on. And then you also do a great job playing with the panels and how, yeah. And then, of course, yeah, the, the, the oh my God, the skydiving sequence is amazing. <laughs> I am, um, I'm really trying to talk him hard into doing a 200 page graphic novel. Oh, hell yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've, I've pitched him. Uh, I've, I think this is the longest thing that he's done consecutively he has a riley teenage bigfoot which is like he does one page strips of which is so much fun that's how i found him in the first place um he's a great guy uh, i am trying to talk him into this 200 page graphic novel called my last drunk it is about um it's about uh smiling smiling willie who was a country star he's he's a complete uh sycophant alcoholic who has come back to Nashville for a final tour and it is about the worst time of his life his last drunk because it is the drunk that made him say I need to quit this shit but I also handed him a one-page monologue to start and he's like that's a lot of words I was like (laughs) I guess we could split this into a few pages that's great though you have a Oh, you're good at a monologue, Jonathan. So. Uh, it's a fun monologue. It makes me laugh. Good. Yeah. 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 So let's let's do this. I, I think we're, we're we're about to hit about the hour mark here. Um, so let's let's bring things um, to to a close. We've we've talked about a number of, of topics, but you know we need to go back to um, you know what we're what we're here to talk about. What's what's crowdfunding right now? So let's. Uh, Let's talk about all in as as we as we close up. Yeah, um, you, you know, you gave us the the elevator pitch. Um, let's just talk a little bit about the the things that we can we can get from the the campaign. Um, that's a great idea. So we have um, a standard version of all in, which is fifteen. I think it's I think I have it as ten plus five dollars for shipping. Then we're going to have a kind of a variant cover version, which I've posted works in progress we're almost done with that cover that uh joke did which is a really cool cover that one's going to have a little extra back matter in it we called the behind the tracks version so you can get that one you can get the regular version or you can get both uh we have game of doubles and airplane mechanics as add-ons i have 10 tales from the dead astronaut graphic novels up there to get there's also the two bigger rewards are you can uh, get a commission from Jock. There's 10 of those, I think. Those will be, because he's uh, in South America, it'll be, he'll draw it, he'll color it, and then we'll print it out digitally. And you'll get a digital copy and a physical copy, character commission of anything you want. And then there are four slots to create your own racer, which who will be in the comic. So you'll, you'll give Joke a one to two sentence description of your character, and then that'll be out there. And we'll give you a little trading card of the guy too. Well, I was just thinking about that. When you were, were talking about Game of Doubles as being on 
um, as, as an add-on. I don't know um, if this is the case, but are there still um, trading cards done by a, a Oh, there artist? are a ton of trading cards left by Noah. Noah did the trading <laughs> card for it. I have to get them. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. You know, you I, forget, I always forget, too. And I was looking yeah. at the original art last night. Man. Yeah, that Noah did a great one. I loved it. Oh man, that's one of my favorite things I've done, man. Oh yeah, loved doing some Jackson Teague. Art. I need to. I need to give you the. Um, we I did do a second printing of that one. I still have original ones, but I did a smaller manga sized one, like oh. the same size as Airplane Mechanics. Yeah, it is the ideal form for it in my opinion. Oh damn, yeah, I love it. I mean, I love the regular form, but I like. Oh it's, man, yeah, I love a manga. About I'm trying. I'm trying to talk Ryan into maybe sometime later next year doing. Um, 12 more pages that are really 24 more pages that are going to go right in the middle and kind of merge it all together. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Awesome. I have bigger plans for that one just to finish it off. Oh man. Uh, that's okay. We'll have to talk about that again. Cause I'm like, dude, that's, I would, I would love to have a conversation about that too, but yeah, well, that's, you got to come back on. That's, that's the thing. You're going to come back on. Uh, of yeah. course I will. Of course I will. Good. Good. Even when they finally give me the Batman gig, I'll be back. Yeah, dude. <laughs> You just just kick kick Zdarsky out of there. He's already got Daredevil. Exactly. We're not gonna kick Ron V out, but I'll 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 kick Zdarsky out. Yeah. So uh, you know we're gonna have a link to the to the Kickstarter campaign and and the show notes. But um, why don't you let folks know um, where the best places to to follow you online are? So I guess these days the best place to follow me is Twitter. I'm Commander of Zed. C M D R of Zed. Uh, Instagram, Space Station Z, but I, I feel like they really screwed Instagram up. Nobody sees anything anymore. So that used to be my main home. Looks like it's going to be Twitter. I also have my newsletter, Space Cases, on Substack, which I have a lot of fun writing on. Um, mm-hmm. I will, like this time of year is more promotion. So I'll do a lot of promotional posts, just adding more details about All In. So if you haven't backed, I'm constantly trying to encourage you to grab a copy, but I like to write about everything there. So yeah, that, that's where you can find me in all those different locations. And you, you have a you have a website too, right? I don't have a website anymore because I'm trying to rehaul some things. Okay. Uh, I do have a Gumroad store, Space Station Z. Um, I think there I have a couple copies of everything. That I still have. I have some burn residue original one through three bundles, which you can grab if you don't want to wait until next year to read that one. I have airplane mechanics on there, game of doubles on there, and some tales from the dead astronaut on there. Very cool. Well, we'll we're gonna link your social media and your your Substack. Thank you. Um, in the in the show notes as well. It seems like, um, you know, I get the Substack um, emails and they're they're great. Um, for anybody that's listening to a podcast called Constructing Comics, because you definitely I do agree. give um, insight and, and, you know, break down the process. So I, I think. Yeah, I try. I, I'm not consistent with it, but I try to be, you know, I, I, I'll do stuff that are breaking down kind of like with All In, I did a bunch of posts that were uh, this was the creation process. This was the writing process. This was the inspiration process in this one. You know, I did one about Echo Lands. I did one about Space Mullet. And then I also share like failed pitches. Like I shared yeah. the, um, I shared the six pages from Only Bad Things Happen at Night. I shared the six pages from Counterfeit. Um, I try to share works in progress too. I think I've, I've shared some stuff from internal changes. So it's all over the place, but you'll always find something there. Awesome. Well, we encourage, um, anybody that's into comics and is certainly into comics the way we are to, to sign up for that. Cause it's yeah. a, you know, you're, you, you said that you're, you know, you use it as a promotional material, but I, I feel that you do a good job of, of balancing it out. That's promotional. And there's a, you know, there's. Oh, and I try tips. to interview people too. So there's yeah. that. I've, I've done a couple interviews um, just cause they're fun to help people too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Awesome. Well, um, we encourage everybody to check that stuff out and certainly check this awesome book out that's on, on Kickstarter. Thank you. Um, all Noah, 
Um, everybody should be all in for this. Everybody's um, all in. Yeah. <laughs> Noah, uh, any final thoughts, final, final questions for Jonathan? Nope. Other than just, dude, it's an honor to know you, man. Yeah, just, it's an honor working with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I, love, I love showing up and doing it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So that's going to do it for us. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. There's going to be a second Kickstarter link in the show notes, and that's going to be for the Concrete Arcanum anthology. I have a, a story in, in that book. It's uh, called Toll Collection. It's a modern take on the bridge troll who collects a fare to, to cross the bridge. Well, that's cool. um, if you want to follow the, the podcast, um, we are on social media. Twitter is at Construct Comics Pod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. But once again, just thanks for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.